Hello and welcome to this week's podcast edition of Scripps 5 Must Know Things, this time for the Business Week ended 25th February 2022. This is Ian Haydock. In this episode, Big Pharma Hunts for RNA Tech, New Data to Boost NHER2 in Breast Cancer, Positive Pipeline News for Bayer, Biosimilars Reach a Turning Point, and Scripps asks experts about prospects for pharma science and technology in 2022. Big pharma companies are on the hunt for RNA-focused drug discovery and development technologies, not just to bring new drug candidates into their research and development pipelines, but to build in-house platforms for discovering and developing their own novel RNA medicines that capitalise on the benefits of these newer modalities. Mandy Jackson writes that with the ability to reach previously undraggable targets and potentially bring drugs to market faster than small molecules and antibody therapeutics, Companies, including Pfizer, Novartis and Lilly, have assembled their own RNA medicine platforms based on external technology and supported by internal experts. Recent deals also show how major players, such as Amgen, have built on existing disease and biology expertise to enhance their in-house drug discovery and development platforms. Amgen recently entered a collaboration with Arrakis Therapeutics for the development of small molecules that degrade RNAs responsible for the production of disease-causing proteins. Amgen also hopes to fast-track phase 3 development of Olpacyron, which is a short interfering RNA molecule targeting lipoprotein A licensed from Arrowhead Pharmaceuticals, with phase 2b data expected during the first half of the year in patients with atherosclerotic cardiovascular disease. Other companies have gone to great lengths to build their own internal RNA drug development platforms and continue to look for additive technologies. Pfizer CEO Albert Baller said during the JP Morgan meeting that the company holds a clear lead amongst its big pharma peers in the mRNA space based on its success in rapidly developing the COVID-19 vaccine Cominati in partnership with BioNTech. Pfizer recently expanded its mRNA vaccine collaborations with BioNTech beyond an earlier influenza program to include a shingles vaccine. Lilly's CEO David Ricks told Scripp that the company has spent the past three or four years building its own set of internal expertise in nucleic acid medicines, including various RNA-based modalities, gene editing drugs and gene therapies. Novartis CEO Vas Narasimhan highlighted during his JPM presentation how the company is investing in biologics, gene therapies, RNA medicines and other modalities to diversify away from small molecules given the financial impact when products lose patent protection. AstraZeneca and partner Daiichi Sankyo's NHER2 could potentially treat 50% of all breast cancers, up from a previous 20% following strong results in the Phase 3 Destiny Breast 04 study. Ayesha Sharma writes that this compared NHER2 with physician's choice of chemotherapy in 540 patients with HR-positive or negative HER2-low, unresectable or metastatic breast cancer who had one or two lines of chemotherapy. NHER2 met the primary endpoint, demonstrating superior progression-free survival in patients with HER2-low metastatic breast cancer and it also met the secondary endpoints of PFS in HER2-low metastatic breast cancer patients regardless of HR status and overall survival in patients with HR-positive disease. Importantly, a HER2-directed therapy has not demonstrated benefit in HER2-low metastatic breast cancer patients before. These results for NHER2 are a huge step forward 
and could potentially expand our ability to target the full spectrum of HER2 expression, validating the need to change the way we categorise and treat breast cancer, AstraZeneca's oncology R&D head Susan Galbraith said. NHER2 last year received US FDA approval in locally advanced or metastatic HER2-positive gastric or gastroesophageal adenocarcinoma patients who had received a prior trastuzumab-based regimen. This followed an initial HER2-positive breast cancer approval in 2019. HER2-low breast cancer accounts for nearly 50% of all breast cancer, so the recent clinical win could significantly expand NHER2's potential market size. Its current label accounts for just 20% of all breast cancer. JP Morgan's Seiji Wakao commented in a 21st February analyst note on Daiichi Sankyo. As no drug has yet been approved specifically for HER2 low breast cancer, NHER2 could also benefit from being first to market, he added. Wakao has estimated NHER2 could attain about $10.45 billion in peak sales, although JP Morgan's James Gordon had a more modest projection of around $6 billion or more noting further potential upside from new tumour types and earlier line use. A new development comes amidst NHER2's broader upward trajectory over the past few years. The antibody drug conjugate demonstrated an overwhelming PFS benefit against Roche's ADC Cancilla in the Destiny Breast 03 study in second-line HER2-positive breast cancer last year. This was seen positioning NHER2 as the new standard of care in the second-line treatment of the disease. Observers concerned about the prospects for Bayer's pharmaceutical operations once the big-selling heart drug Xarelto and blockbuster eye therapy Ilea lose patent protection will have been enthused by good news on Nubeca and Carendia, its two key growth drivers for the rest of this decade and beyond. First up, after a year of relative caution about its commercial prospects, Bayer is now forecasting at least €3 billion Euros in peak sales for prostate cancer drug Nubeca, a huge hike from its earlier estimate of 1 billion euros, Kevin Grogan writes. The optimism for Nubeca, which was approved in the EU in March 2020 and the US in July 2019 for non-metastatic castration-resistant prostate cancer, is based on promising new data evaluating the drug as a treatment for metastatic hormone-sensitive prostate cancer. Results from the Phase 3 Arasense trial showed that adding Nubeca to androgen deprivation therapy and docetaxel showed a significant increase in overall survival, with a reduction in the risk of death by 32.5% compared with ADT plus docetaxel in MHSPC patients. A significant benefit was also seen across multiple secondary endpoints. Expanding into MHSPC opens a new market for Nubeca, which was the third oral androgen receptor antagonist to come to market behind Pfizer and Astellas' Extandi and Johnson & Johnson's Earliada. Analysts at JP Morgan noted that Nubeca has shown numerically better data than Zytiga, but not a significantly different OS benefit, so this could mean some oncologists opting to use Zytiga given it is already generic, particularly in Europe although it is worth noting that Zytiga use requires dosing with prednisone, which is not required for Nubeca, and will encourage use of Bayer's drug in this latest indication, the analyst noted. The EU has just granted approval to Carendia for adults with chronic kidney disease associated with type 2 diabetes. The non-steroidal mineralocorticoid receptor antagonist was approved in the US in July 2021. 
Since the US approval, Bayer has reported positive data from another cardiovascular outcomes trial, and Karenia is also being investigated beyond the current indication in heart failure as well as non-diabetic kidney disease. Some of the most enticing commercial opportunities for biosimilar manufacturers and the biggest potential savings to the US health system are approaching in the next three years, and drug makers and other stakeholders are laying the groundwork now for that expansion. Jessica Mell writes in an infographic article that the next wave of biosimilars is expected to prove more competitive than the initial wave, posing new challenges for biosimilar manufacturers jockeying for leadership positions in crowded classes. In addition, these launches will take place in therapeutic areas with less biosimilar experience, such as diabetes, ophthalmology and immunology. Success will require continued education of physicians and pharmacists and navigating pharmacy benefit reimbursement, where biosimilars have faced some headwinds. With this inflection point and the entrance into new therapeutic areas, new reimbursement models, new sites of care, you essentially have this whole new stakeholder group that hasn't really been tapped into yet to focus education efforts on. Cardinal Health VP for biosimilars, Sonia Oskoe, said in an interview. Cardinal Health, a wholesaler and drug distributor, released its first report on biosimilars this year. Oskoe said the biosimilars market's expansion and Cardinal Health's goal of becoming a resource to stakeholders in the field drove the work. The report reveals that despite strong growth estimates for biosimilars in the US through 2025, there remains a substantial educational hurdle in the market among pharmacists and certain healthcare providers, as well as reimbursement challenges. Biosimilars will deliver over $133 billion in aggregate savings to the US healthcare system by 2025 and estimates that total savings to patient out-of-pocket costs based on just the current approved biosimilars will reach up to $238 million, according to the report. The biggest biosimilar opportunity approaching is the closely tracked launch of the first biosimilar versions of AbbVie's Humira for various autoimmune conditions and the first Humira biosimilar is expected to launch in January 2023 from Angen, followed by at least six others beginning in June. Six other big biologic brands stand to face biosimilar competition for the first time by 2024, including Roche's Lucentis and Actemra. These and the other drugs together generated more than $35 billion in revenues in the US in 2021, with Humira alone accounting for roughly half that amount, or $17.3 billion. Finally, in part three of the Script Asks series, many industry leaders expect broad progress in the field of RNA technologies following the rapid and successful rollout of mRNA vaccines against COVID-19. Genetic medicines of various types, emerging platforms for tackling previously undruggable targets, and the microbiome were among other areas singled out as areas to watch in 2022. Biomedical innovation is at its golden age and scientific innovation will continue to be strong, declared Søren Merler, who's managing partner at Novo Seeds, the life science startup financing arm of Novo Holdings. His words summed up the general perspective of a great many of the 200 plus executives and experts canvassed by Scrip for their views on what the coming year holds for the biopharm industry in terms of technology and science.
The optimism is perhaps unsurprising following two pandemic years in which the industry has rapidly delivered effective vaccines and therapeutics to reduce the damage wrought by SARS-CoV-2. Furthermore, it builds upon what was an already burgeoning environment for biomedical advances. We will see greater and greater platform innovation across the industry, continuing the trend we have seen over the last decade that has made this the greatest period of biopharma innovation any of us have seen, predicted Eric David, who's CEO of Gene Therapy at Bridge Bio. Much of the innovation continues to be very early stage, but incredibly promising, and will be applied to historically neglected diseases large and small, including to antivirals and antibiotics broadly, and novel approaches for gene, cell and tissue-based therapies, he predicted. I remain more optimistic than ever about the future of biotechnology, said David Arthur, who's CEO of cancer-focused biotech firm Solarius Pharmaceuticals. That's all for this time. Thanks for listening. And don't forget to check out these stories in full from the links provided in the article accompanying this podcast and log in to the script site to see all of our much more extensive content or to take a free trial if you're not already a subscriber. Bye for now.